Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Bible in Order, where we are chronologically going through the entire Bible in one year. Today's reading for December 3rd is 1 Corinthians chapters 15 and 16. Paul writes, I want to make clear to you, brothers and sisters, the gospel which I preached to you. It's the foundation of your faith. The very thing that you believed, I want to make sure that there are no questions about what's most important. Verse 3 says, the same thing I received, which is most important, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter, or Cephas, then the twelve. And then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive. Paul is saying these people, 500 of them at one time, saw the risen Lord. Conversely, if that were not true, would anybody have made copies of this letter and passed it on? Over 500 people at one time in one gathering witnessed the risen Jesus after his death and burial. It's true. If this were a court case and you had 500 witnesses come forth and say the exact same thing, even if it seemed impossible scientifically, the court would have to rule. The law says wherever two witnesses corroborate an event, so shall it be judged. And in addition to it being true, it's important that we understand the foundation of everything we do is the death of Jesus Christ for our sins, that our penalty was paid in full. We are not motivated by guilt or shame. We don't have to do penance. There's no way that we can earn God's favor. It was purchased for us in the broken body and the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. But that's not it. That's not the only part. We also have this new life. If Jesus was resurrected from the dead, which he was, then so also are we. Now, spiritually, we're already born again. We have received this new life that he purchased for us. And there's a day coming when he will return physically, and physically, we will be made alive spiritually. Now, that is a little confusing to say as I hear these words coming out of my mouth, but the truth of it is our physical bodies will be changed into spiritual bodies at some point. Those of us who are alive when Jesus returns will be changed and made like him. That is the hope that we wait for, that we long for. He says in verse 14, if Christ had not been raised, then our proclamation is in vain, and so is your faith. If Christ had not been raised from the dead, there is no hope for our future. In verse 19, if we put our hope in Christ for this life only, we are to be pitied more than any other men because we don't live for this life only. In other words, our reward is not only going to be in this life. If there's no resurrection, if we have nothing to look forward to, then why not be like the world and just proclaim, let's eat and drink and be merry. Let's have a good time. Let's party. Let's work for the paycheck so we can blow it on the weekend. 
like the world does. But it should not be so among you. Remember, everything that you believe starts with the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He purchased new life for us, and our hope lies in that new life. The goal of our faith is that new life. We carry the kingdom of heaven with us. It is near. He made it accessible. And now we make it accessible for other people. And the glory that we long for will ultimately be fulfilled in the next life. Our hope is not in the car we drive or the house we buy or the job we get or the person we marry or the children we have or fill in the blank. Those are all good things. And in some ways, they are all necessary to walk out the destiny of the scroll that was written before your life was even started. And yet, this life is just the beginning. It's like a vapor. It's a mist that you see one moment and is gone the next. And we were not intended to walk through this life just living for the joys that this life can bring. And at the same time, we were not expected to walk through this life filled with shame and guilt about missed opportunities and unfulfilled callings. We are not to be walking around beating ourselves up because of the mistakes we've made in the past and the things that we didn't act on that we know we should have. No, the penalty was paid for with the blood and broken body of Jesus Christ. And in his kindness, God says, don't worry about your past. Focus on your future. Be the person I'm calling you to be. And at the foundation of it all is understanding God's love for you and how he has appointed you to great things. The correlation is in Ephesians 4, where it says God appointed some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers in order to prepare God's people or to train God's people to do the good works that he planned in advance for them to walk in. Friends, God planned in advance for us to walk in good works. He ordained it. We are destined to it. And there is no greater calling. There is no more fulfillment that will take place. Apprehend your calling, friends. Paul goes on to write that Jesus' resurrection guarantees ours in the same way that Adam's sin brought death to all. Jesus' resurrection brings life to all who believe in him, who are predestined to life in him. In verse 29, he references baptism for the dead, or on account of the dead, on behalf of the dead even. So people are being baptized for loved ones who have already passed on. Now, I don't understand that, but the point of it is, Paul is saying, you guys obviously believe that there's hope for those who have died, or else you wouldn't be performing acts on behalf of those who have died. 
While the world shouts that there is nothing after this life, live your best life now. Do it for you and for no one else. The gospel beckons us to do it for the future, to do it for those who would follow after us, to live our best life for those who are watching us, like our children, to point people to a greater truth that outshines the sun even. And while we are watered down in our faith by the world around us, it's diluted, and we are tempted towards functional atheism in the sense that we know God is real, we know we are born again, and yet it just seems so outlandish to live a life in such a weird way that's so countercultural that we seek the Spirit as we make the kingdom of heaven our first priority. That's just weird, according to the world. Paul's reminding us we believe in something greater. We long for something greater. Don't forget that bad company corrupts good morals. We are around people who say, let's eat and drink because tomorrow we're going to die. Don't be influenced by them, he says in verse 34. Come to your senses, my translation says. The literal says, sober up, sober up, come out of your stupor. Don't be influenced by the world. You have been. It's time to stop that. You've heard the analogy of input equals output. So it is true. Stop receiving so much of your input from the world, from sources that don't know Jesus, who don't have the same priorities. Don't be so influenced by the world that you become of no use to the kingdom. Sober up and stop sinning. For some people are ignorant about God, and I say this to your shame, Paul writes. It should not be that people are ignorant about God. You should be a wealth of information about God. Instead of the world dictating to you what your life should be like, we should be cities on a hill. We should be the salt of the earth. We should be the light to the world. We should be inspiring hope to a lost generation. We should be awakening a desire to walk in heavenly destiny to the people around us. We should be inspiring our children. In verse 39, Paul writes that there's different kinds of flesh, there's different kinds of bodies, and he equates the natural world, both with living animals, the birds have a different kind of meat than fish, than do people, than do animals. God made them different. Just like the sun is different from the stars and the moon, and even the stars vary from one another in their glory or their splendor. That word translated splendor or glory could also be translated opinion or the way one expresses its opinion. In a sense, it's the way an item was created, and its very creation expresses the glory of the one who created it. The stars of heaven express the glory of God in differing ways because they were created to do so. And the, and the same is true with us, actually with all of creation, but especially with the children of God. 
Verse 51 says, listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all sleep. Sleep is a euphemism for death. We will not all die, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ will rise incorruptible, and we will be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. And at that point, we will literally have nothing else ever to fear. That certainly corroborates what we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 about the return of Jesus and what that's going to look like. And we should long for that day. With these things in mind, be alert, therefore, stand firm, be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. He writes in 1 Corinthians 16. He writes in verse 13 of chapter 16. More important than anything else is that we act in love. And again, how does love act? It is patient. It is kind. It puts the needs of other people before itself, just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. Husbands, love your wives, all people. Love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's what makes us different. It's what Jesus did, and it's what we should do as well. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for being on this journey with me. It's such an honor and a privilege. And for those of you who are interested, I do have a real estate business helping people buy and sell real estate. It's the primary means, for now at least, by which I support this family of mine. I would appreciate your support. If you are thinking of buying or selling real property, I can help you with that. And if you are a real estate professional looking for a new brokerage, Call It Closed International Realty just might be the best place for you to call home. You can find more information about both at agentdaviddoty.com. Thank you so much for your consideration.